0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP8. This week on Twit, How to Get the Shot when Shooting Landscape, Nature and Street Photography plus an interview with New York City fashion photographer Lindsay Adler. It's Tuesday, August 13th, 2013, and this is Twit. Welcome back to Twip. I am your host Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the cool news, I don't know if you call them cool, but interesting news stories of the week, um, are Miss Valerie Jardin and Mr. Martin Bailey. Hey guys, how are you doing? Hi Frederick. Morning, evening, Hi, afternoon. Okay, we got to we got to start with you Martin because just so the folks know, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon at 2:42 in the PM Pacific time, which is what time there Martin? It's just coming up to six forty a.m. So oh, that's not uh, too bad. Oh, come it, on. It's not bad.
1: It's not bad. I uh, yeah. What time the, do you normally get up? Uh, about seven thirty. Oh, um, okay. Unless right. unless I'm out, you know, if I'm on a tour, I'm up at like four. So this is not a big deal for me, really.
0: Okay, good, good. I was thinking it was it was a little bit more. Now uh, you, you adjusted so that it wasn't in the middle of the night, which I yes. appreciate. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Um, okay, well, welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Valerie, what's uh, what's what's going? Where are you? I always forget where you are. are you in Minnesota or someplace? <laughs> yes, like
2: that? I am in Minnesota uh, oh, right now. <laughs> I just right got back, back in- from uh, from Europe last week.
0: Back so. from Europe last week, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Another workshop. No, this wasn't the workshop. No, this was no. a personal... Tr- We're going to talk about that, because okay. you, you know... <laughs> I know what you want to ask. <laughs> you know what I want to ask you. Uh, but before we dive, because I know that's going to be a little bit... I want to dive into that a little bit. Uh, Martin, on your site, what, you, you made some changes to your to your Japan Wonderland tour. And, yeah. Uh, you have an Iceland tour coming up. I'm looking at the notes. And Sri yeah. Lanka in November. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um, What is going on? Well, the, the first thing, I've spent a lot of time recently. Um, I'm feeling a little bit less like a photographer and more like a web designer at the moment. I've, yeah. um, I've set up a, a credit card merchant account so I can now take credit cards directly on my site when people book for tours. Mm-hmm. So I've just enabled that for my 2014 Snow Monkeys and Hokkaido tour. And and we've just released the details of my 2014 Iceland tour. I'm going to be in Iceland in a couple of weeks for the for this year's tour. Yeah. But we decided to set up the I've locked in on some really good dates for next year, so that's all set up now as well. Um, you can get to all of that from the I'm bringing everything under one website as well. I mentioned on the, the last time I was on Twitter I'm bringing everything under martinbaileyphotography.com. So if you go to the workshops uh, link at the top of the website, that'll take you to those as well. But uh, yeah, we've just I'm just doing the finishing touches. It's going to be very rushed, and it, it's it's going to be difficult perhaps to get enough people to make it work. But I've been working with a guy in Sri Lanka who's we've set up some amazing wildlife tours there. Um, you know, there's there's elephants, there's leopards, there's uh, a, a huge number of bird species and other things over there, and it, and they've got some great national parks. Yeah. And of course, now that the the civil war is over, it's been over a while now. Um, we you know it's opening up again as a country and, it, and it's going to be a a very popular place to visit i think so yeah i've set that up we're going to be over there in november so it's just a few months away now but we we're, we're giving people a 20% discount for the first for the inaugural tour um and th- this is not going to be me running the tour i'm i'm going to be like the guest host and it's it's another company so you know people are going to have to go to uh, I'll set up a short link at mbp.ac slash Sri Lanka for cool. people to go and take a look at uh, details of that. But it's going to be amazing.
0: All right. All right. Well, cool. Definitely head over to Martin Bailey. It's com, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank All you. All right. Valerie, <clears throat> see, I feel like I'm the one that's this. I'm the odd man out here because you guys, I'm looking at your notes and you've got Australia in February. <laughs> What's going on? Are you another workshop out there and you're going to France again, right?
2: Uh, yes, I have two workshops um, that are um, sold out in October, so I'm leaving in a few weeks again. Uh, one, two one-week workshops back to back, one in Paris, one in Normandy, and then the second one in Paris. Um, and then, um, then I'm now I'm setting up the 2014 France and U.S. workshops, and they should go on the market by the end of August. Okay. But I've had um, Melbourne, Australia, scheduled for a while, and I haven't really. Talked about it, but it's already half filled, and that's in February.
3: Wow. So is there's still half time. Filled or, is it half filled? Yeah, it's, filled it's, or it's half, is it filled half filled already.
2: To... <laughs> it's actually a little over half filled. Okay. And, uh, so it's it's a go, and uh, it's exciting because I haven't really talked about it. It seemed like such a long time away, and now it's like, okay, it's not that far away anymore. So yeah. that's exciting.
3: That's cool. Well, and I just got Both back. Thanks.
2: Just got back from five weeks. I was in Iceland, actually, for a few days, and then uh, and then France for a month. So wow. but that was a family trip.
0: Crisscrossing the globe, you guys. You're killing me here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to I give a quick shout out to our friends over at Kelby Media. They are, um, I guess with a little bit of help from Adobe, they're giving all of the attendees of the upcoming Photoshop World next month in Las Vegas a full one-year membership to Creative Cloud so the entire Creative Cloud suite anybody that's going to Photoshop world presumably you are interested in Photoshop if you're going to Photoshop <laughs> world um, but if you go you automatically get a $600 value Creative Cloud um, uh, membership which is crazy so nice. you can kick the tires of everything Adobe makes for a year have you ever you guys ever heard anything like that before that's that's I mean, a lot that's a that's a nice that's, bonus. I think that's unprecedented. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard of a company doing that for an entire year that you get to, especially if you're doing like a subscription type thing. But anyway, Photoshop World runs next month, September uh, the fourth through the sixth. So definitely check that out. Just go over to Kelby site or Google it or something. You'll find it. It's all over the place. Also, yesterday I had the privilege of being a guest on one of our TWIP listener um, and uh, previous co-host, I think, Mr. Brian Fisher and Roxanne Kelly. I was on their Model Photography Showcased podcast, and they just started it. It's a brand new podcast. They're still working on it and filing it out, you know, off the rough edges and all that. But they're doing a really good job, and they're both excellent hosts of the show and uh, definitely check it out I'm not sure when my my interview will go live I think maybe in the next week or so but uh, they've got a ton of or maybe at least five or six good interviews up there already episodes so they're off to a good start definitely check them out and support them uh, model photography showcase alright guys let's jump into oh before <laughs> before I leave that model photography showcase thing last night I had Roxanne was on the show she's a she's a model and the co-host of the show and she gave me a quote she said or it wasn't a quote it was a joke so I want to ask you guys she said why did the hipster burn his mouth on the pizza and I know you know because you're looking at the answer that I've (laughs) (laughs) so the riddle is why did the hipster burn his mouth on the pizza and the answer is because he ate it before it was cool so Aww. that's the kind of <laughs> – those are the kind of shenanigans they have on that show. Shenanigans. <laughs> yes, I used the word shenanigans. i <laughs> <Yeah>, That's cool. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's jump into the first discussion. The first, So basically, we did this uh, survey. If you're on the TWIP mailing list, you got this survey that we sent out. Uh, I think it was last week. And so far, we've had over almost 900 responses in there from folks that are responding to us. You know, basically, there's a, qu- a questionnaire asking what you wanted us to change on TWiP, if anything. We were asking about the length. If you like the length, is it too long, too short? And if you haven't responded to that survey, you can still do so. Just go to thisweekinphoto.com, and you'll see a... Um, feedback link or one of the actually it's a blog post so just head over there and fill that out but some of the feedback that came back from that was you guys audience want to hear more about technique you want more practical tips on photography and just general how do I do this kind of stuff tutelage so we decided to focus this episode on that and uh, so this, this, this particular segment we're calling how to get the shot and uh, we're going to kick it off with Miss Valerie Jardin. I know I keep butchering your name, but I'm going to say it however I want to say it. About street photography. So Valerie, you are, well, first of all, before we dive into your street photography, I want to talk about the fact that you went, I think you went to Iceland <laughs> with A just that Fuji.
2: <laughs> Is I that did. true? You yes, took.
0: That's all you shot with, was a Fuji X100S. I,
2: that, yep, that's what I had. And um, and my... Um, I tried it really liked because I brought the Fuji X100S. And this was not a photography trip. This was a personal family trip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wasn't on a workshop with Martin. I would have probably brought a bigger bag. But... Martin would not
0: have allowed <laughs> you to come. Oh, I would.
2: <laughs> but, you know, it was so awesome to be... To be limited to just the one lens for five weeks. I can't even you tell okay. you how liberating. You didn't your, you now, didn't... Well, I can't tell you that the thought of my Mark, my 5D Mark II and all my L lenses didn't cross my mind a couple of times when I was experiencing the, experiencing the beautiful landscape mm-hmm. of Iceland. But crossed my mind. That's about it. I didn't regret anything. Um, I figured, you know what? I have a pretty fine piece of equipment with me, and um, the fact that it's uh, a fixed lens and I don't have any other option is not going to stop me from some making some pretty cool images. And uh, I'm not a landscape photographer, so I had no tripod, I just had, I looked like a tourist. And that yeah, was okay Martin, with me.
0: Martin, if you saddled Martin with the F- X100S and sent him out to shoot snow monkeys, I don't think you would enjoy that, Martin. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, the snow monkeys, you wouldn't be too bad, you know, because you're, you're very close to them. them. Yeah, it's okay. it's more the, the stuff that's way off in the distance where you need yeah. the big glass. Right, right, yeah.
3: right.
2: But it was okay. I did a lot of street photography, even in Iceland. I spent more time in Reykjavik than I did uh, out in the country because <laughs> that's what I like. Yeah. Um, but you know what it was awesome Paris for five days shooting street was great and the rest of the time I was on the coast and uh, I had my camera with me all the time and I think I did some of my best work so, so let's, I, let's
0: talk about that so let's talk about just you know just generally street photography and, and when you're, you're in Reykjavik right and you get up in the morning or the, even the night before what do you do as you prepare for? It? Do you pre-visualize like, okay, today this is a big town. Okay, so today I'm gonna focus it's on. It's
2: not. It's very small. I think you should pick Paris as an example. Okay, right? Paris <laughs> did.
0: Paris, Paris. So okay, today I'm gonna pick shots by the water. Tomorrow I'm gonna shoot old people. You know, do you do that? And then when you do you pre And then when you set that up, what's in your bag? You know, when you go out.
2: <laughs> okay, um, unless I'm working on a theme which happens, like last year I was working on a lover's theme when I was in Europe, so of course you kind of keep that in the back of your mind at all times and you're more in tune yeah. with that theme. But uh, usually I, I like to go out empty um, and just let the city surprise me. Um, so that's, that's what I do. Um, and I don't really prepare a bag. <laughs> I just uh, now
0: you don't with that x100 you just you well, just even, grab it and go now right you
2: know even before I never brought an extra lens on any photo walk mm-hmm. so even when I was still shooting with a uh, an SLR I put a 50 or 40 lens on and that was it so uh, that didn't really change my approach it's just a little more inconspicuous, so that's really good for street photography. I think now for sure I get away with shots that I probably wouldn't have got away with with a larger camera okay. uh, for street photography. Plus, it's it's you can put it on super silent, so that's really good too. Yeah. Um, nothing even flashes, none of the little uh, um, red light or green light or anything. Uh, so it's it, completely silent, um, and it's not you're not intimidating because i do candid street photography but i also do street portraits and trust me when you when you approach a stranger and ask to make a portrait they're a lot more likely to be okay with it if you look like you're shooting with a point and shoot versus a pro looking camera mm. so I found that was a lot easier too um, so I go out I bring a bag if I'm out for a long day and it could rain or if I b- want to bring a snack but I for street photography you can't have your camera in the bag leave your landscape at home bring <laughs> with the Fuji you need at least three spare batteries <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and I just I just go it doesn't take any preparation at all Just to have comfortable shoes and you're good to go. Because I'll be out for ten hours.
0: Wow, ten hours just shooting and shooting. (laughs) Walking. Or with I heard that like you mentioned the battery life on that X100. I heard it's not that good. So you might say maybe six hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're actually of actual time out there.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. But that's about the only negative. So. Yeah, Not too bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Cool. So Martin, I want to I want to switch gears and, and chat with you a little bit about landscape. And we can cross-pollinate here as well, street photography landscape. Um, but with with the landscape stuff that you're doing, when you take us like like take us in the time machine back on a Martin Bailey shoot when you're or even take it on one of your workshops, for example, when you have to be prepared to answer questions and you gotta be on and there's no margin for error for the instructor saying um, you know, guys, my camera's dead. <laughs> Does anybody have an extra? So, what do you do? Like, how do you prepare the night before, um, and then the day of? What are you out on a landscape shoot with?
1: Well, I I generally work with two bodies anyway, because especially with my tours, I you know obviously there's no room for for having a a, a camera body break. Um, mm-hmm. it's never happened to me, but I, I also carry two bodies because sometimes I'm I'm mixing. Wildlife photography with landscape, and when you're doing wildlife, you often have to switch between lenses so fast that you need two bodies, so that it's just a case of reaching for a different body. Yeah. Um, but it, but if I'm just w- walking out for for landscape alone, and I know that that's all I'm going to do, I'll generally have one body. I'll usually go for the higher resolution unless it's going to be bad weather. Um, if it's if it's a possibility that I'm going to be out in the rain, which I love. I mean, I, I'm not a, a fair weather photographer, but if it's going to be rainy then I'll probably go for the 1DX over the 5D because it's it's weatherproof Um, but uh, you know I mean I'm actually just uh, written a uh, an article for one of the future uh, issues of of Craft and Visions photograph magazine about it's called make yourself comfortable Mm -hmm. and and I think that you know especially with outdoor photography uh, you it's important to make sure that you're dressed for the occasion you know if you if you if you get too hot or too cold, it can get you back in the car and home before you know it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean a big thing apart from the gear is actually what you wear, making sure that you're you're able to handle the conditions that you're gonna be photographing it.
0: You know, one one other thing that I would add on that is and it goes it goes to being comfortable, and that's food. <laughs> oh like, yeah. Yeah. That can end and you know, go use a restaurant freely. But being a hungry can yeah. ruin a shoot, or make you rush, or even shaky. You know. Yeah. Have, you, have you found that? Do you throw like like uh, candy bars or whatever in your bag when you go out? Martin? Well, I I don't. I
1: usually, if I'm if I'm going to be out for just say a day here in Japan somewhere, not so much a workshop because work with workshops, I've always got the next meal set up ready. We're just going to go somewhere and we're going to shoot for a while. Um, but even then, I guess for dawn shoots, if before breakfast. I will still have a cereal bar or something like that in my in my bag, and i I might nibble on something if I start to feel hungry before breakfast. I've got plenty put away though. I mean, I <laughs> it's, I I, uh, I just you got a camel on, though, Martin. Well, <laughs> no, but I, I just start to suck on some of my reserves if I. Uh, <laughs> but but I, uh, I you know I I do generally carry. Uh, I like those little uh, like weeder jelly things that you you can just have one in your in your vest pocket. Uh, and then, you know, if, you, if it gets to lunchtime and you don't want to t- spend the time to go and get lunch, then sometimes I'll just, I'll just you know, eat one of those and I'll always have a bit of a drink with me or something. So I can get through one on, on a, a cereal bar or, or two or something like that. And that's just a way of keeping me shooting. But you know, skipping a meal totally happens every so often, I just forget that I needed to eat. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, especially when you run a workshop, it's so easy to just you know, you think of everybody else and then you kinda of forget about your and own. And you're on ladies. that
0: adrenaline high too, right? Yeah. So that that helps yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Valerie do you do you keep food in your bag when you when you go uh, out on these ten hour or six hour long photo?
2: I'm in I'm in big cities, so you know, I kinda uh, sit at a cafe and keep shooting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, What am I thinking? Yeah, of course you're not. You're not roughing it. So you guys are like polar opposites. <laughs> Valerie's like, well, yeah, yeah, I keep I keep food in the cafe over there. That's <laughs> And Martin's I'm like, outside. Yeah, I keep trail mix in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. So um, so okay, so let's go back to Martin on your side. Um, you're out there, you're capturing when you're on site out there do you do you find yourself backing up or do you bring because you know those those little devices where you can stick your SD or CF card into it and it will copy the images over? Do you hmm. do anything like that, or do you just bring a lot of cards and and tackle it that way I I, will, I have one of those with a one-terabyte drive in it that
1: I do use if there's no way at all that I can take a laptop with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also make sure that I've got... One of the biggest reasons why... I mean, obviously, I like to able to process while I'm on the road as well. If I'm on a long trip, it, generally, I try to get a lot of processing done in the evenings before so that when I get home, I don't have a truckload of images to get through. Yeah. Um, but if I can't take a, a laptop, then I will take the... I, I forget what they're called, they used to be called color space. I think they've changed now, but the ones, they're great, they're really fast, they, their batteries will uh, allow you to download three or four cards before you, they need to be recharged. Hmm. But also if you plug in an external hard drive to those, you can run a command that makes it back up everything that it has, either totally or incrementally to an external hard drive. Hmm. And that means you don't have to trust your images on one hard drive. And that's the important thing. If, if you use any sort of portable um, storage. You just have to make sure. The the old Epsons do it as well, the P7000 things like that. If you just plug in a, a second external hard drive, USB, then they will, uh, they have a command that they'll back up all of the, the images that you've got on that storage into the second hard drive. The so, device, those, you,
0: the, the one that you have, does it have a, a display on it, and, it does, or is it yeah. just
1: blind? It's It's got a display on it. So. Okay. Yeah, the the color space one, the the old one that well, it's it's newer than the the Epsons that I bought, Um, but they you can buy just a shell and then you buy a an off the shelf two and a half inch hard drive and stick that in there, Um, so you can you can really get. I mean nowadays I'm not sure if they support it, but there are there are larger hard drives so you can put those in, but um yeah they they have a little screen on and if you're shooting raw they they take a little bit of time to look at the images so it's not as though you're you're really using them to view the images that's
0: just a, a a backup a, a mental sort of check, you know, just so to you make can sure see that, that it, there's yeah. that there's something there. Otherwise, right. you'd be waiting for a flashing light to finish flashing. And then right. right, right. And the Epsons on the other hand, I mean, they they were called portable
1: storage and media viewers. I think mm-hmm. um, it even says it on the front of them because they had a reasonably big screen. Uh, but you know, I mean, these days, honestly, I'm I'm normally away from home for more than a few days, and I just have my laptop with me. Yeah. Uh, but again that means that when I get back to the hotel I use big I use like 64 gigabyte and 120 gigabyte cards because I I often like to flip into video as well Mm -hmm. and if you if you start to do more than a few minutes of video that's that that's quite a lot of memory so yeah they I I like to use big cards I generally don't have to reformat them for a few days if and if I'm you know if I don't have time to back them up but I normally the process is I get back to the hotel I transfer the images to my hard drive on my laptop, and then I put that second hard, that second external hard drive in, and back everything up to that as well. And then usually while I'm sleeping, I'll will stick in a portable Time Machine backup, and just let it. Then everything that's on the on the local hard drive will also get backed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I actually do a second backup of the of the backup. So you know, I,
0: I always. I'm hearing I'm hearing layers and layers of. Yeah. Complexity and backup here, and I'm gonna guess Valerie, <laughs> Valerie. I'm gonna guess that your backup strategy isn't quite as bulletproof as Mark's.
2: Probably not. Uh, no, I'm actually good at backing up, but I don't shoot as much. I mean, this is street photography. You get one shot. It's not like you're doing landscape where you're gonna, you know, go yeah. back and keep trying. And so, you know, on any given day, I could shoot 50 to 100 frames you know so for me I back up pretty quick I, I have my MacBook Air two pounds yes. just a 11 inch which I just bought like the day before I left on my last trip I was traveling light between the two I don't think I had four pounds of equipment that's crazy. Uh, Isn't that crazy? And,
0: that is
1: just no, crazy. You know, 50 to 100 frames for me is a travel day <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's like I'm heading out there. Oh, look! Look what's out the window, and, and oh, the <laughs> yeah. airport's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now it's uh, so I I do backup every night, and I don't format my CF or SD cards until I'm home from my trip. So I backup on the on on my hard drive, then on a portable drive, and right. then I keep my my cards in a separate location. Usually, they stay in my with me.
0: That's good. Have, you, has, have either of you ever had a situation where you lost a day of images because you didn't back up or something failed or something got stolen or something like that? Nope. No. No? Mm-hmm. Th- that actually leads reminds
1: me of a good tip though. Do grab some of the. You often have to pay a yearly fee for it these days but Sandisk and Lexar, they, they have uh, the, the card restore or image restore software. Um, I think SanDisk is called um, Photo Restore Pro or Premium or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, as the workshop leader, I've saved people's cards. I always make sure that I've got a working copy of that kind of software on my machine. Yeah, Yeah. What one guy when I was in, in Antarctica the first time a couple of years ago, um, he said, I've, I've I forgot that I'd not downloaded and formatted my card. Can you do anything? And I'm like, yeah, don't touch the card, just bring it to me. And I, I rescued all of his images from the card. Uh, you know, as, because the, I mean, I think it was actually Valerie that was on here before when I mentioned this, that when you format a card, all you're doing, it's like the book is, of, all of the pages are still there. All you're doing is ripping out the, page, the, the table of contents. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in and, and search for it with software, the images are there. It just, it's just that you need to rebuild the table of contents to tell the, yeah. the software where they are. So you can you can do that with the software that you that I always carry with me. It's Sandisk, Lexar Make It. I'm sure there are third party companies that do it as well. But they do a good job. And then they just dump them all somewhere else for you. And you normally have to rename them. They don't have the, the original names. But once you've done that, you can you're you're up and away again.
0: You have the data at least. Yeah, one one piggyback on that, I think we may have mentioned this on the show before too, is the the that image restoration and recover recovery is one good reason why you can you know the, the of knowing how hard drives work but the other sort of nefarious thing is that you need to be cognizant of is if you sell a hard drive or sell a computer mm-hmm. or give it to someone and you think Sold you formatted it. the drive in it mm-hmm. like Martin said you didn't you probably just deleted the table of contents now they have all your tax records and everything else about you on that drive mm-hmm. so if you format it Martin if they really want to format it, what should they do
1: um, I'm not sure if it's if you can do this natively in the operating system but there's usually an option when you format to secure format or yes, secure delete yes, oh. and and that actually goes along and writes data over everything. Um, and that's that actually again we're, we're bouncing off each other here but if you if you think you've lost images on a card, and you use it again, then the the new set of images will will replace the other ones, and that's how they securely um, delete a drive. You, they actually write like dirty data over the whole drive, and and I don't mean like straight strange <laughs> photographs. Um, they they, uh, they they just write some sort of data in all of and all of the segments. So yeah, if you if you do mess a card up, don't don't think oh well that's gone. I'll just I'll I'll cut my losses and continue. Set that card aside until you can get some of this software because using it will will mess it up.
0: Yeah, That's a good, good point. So one, one thing that I wanted to chat about in this conversation about landscape and street photography is the, I've been hearing from several photographers and I don't know if it's a trend or a movement or what but people it seems like people are starting to shoot more JPEG only you know and Valerie I wanted to throw it to you first street photography seems like it'd be an ideal candidate for j right cuz you can go out and shoot all black and white if you want would you ever do anything like, like that or, or or are you just gonna shoot raw until the end and process at your desk
2: well I still shoot raw although this camera has some pretty cool um, filters and once you switch to a filter you ha- you switch automatically to JPEG. So if I switch the camera to black and white or to square format or whatever, uh, then automatically I have to shoot JPEG. Um, so I'm I shoot RAW just because I I treat I mean I I, I treat that the the images coming out of that camera just like I did from the SLR. So I bring them into Lightroom and then I I just. Uh, just a few sliders and I'm done and and, uh, I like to have control of my black and white so i not that I you know there's nothing wrong with the black and white coming out of the camera but I kinda like to keep the same type of look and feel
0: so you you're with the camera that you have with the Fuji that you're talking about you can't you can't shoot raw plus JPEG and only apply the in-camera effects to the JPEG
2: yes you could true yeah but so then you could have the best lot. of both worlds. That's yeah. true, and I may start doing that just to explore all those cool um, filters and and um, options that are on there because it's it's it looks really fun. I just haven't had really the time to play around with it, but yeah, then I will shoot RAW plus JPEG.
0: Yeah, I wanted to. I'm going to play around with that because. Uh, I know some photographers that do a lot of composite, or not some, they're not photographers I guess, but more digital artists that do a lot of Photoshop compositing, and as they're doing the composite with the different elements in the scene, they will they will put a black and white adjustment layer on the whole stack so that it removes color from it so they can more easily you know, get a feel for what the composition is gonna be before introducing the layer of color into it, which is a whole different project of making everything look real, right? So you know, I, as I my brain automatically switches to photography, so I'm thinking that would be interesting just to go out and shut off your ability to see color and focus yourself on the composition and that sort of thing, and the exposure, of course. And then later, when you bring it into the computer, you can start introducing color as needed. You know that kind of thing. I don't know, Martin. What about you? Are you uh, would you ever consider shooting JPEG on one of your when you're out shooting landscape or nature?
1: Do you want the short or the long answer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> is the short answer two letters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the, the, the
1: intermediately long reply is uh, of, of course for me, no, um, but a lot of people don't realize. They think that it's just about being able to change things later, but it's not. You're actually uh, condemning the quality of the image depending on what you shoot. Um, if, you know, a JPEG is always going to be compressed to a degree, and to to not only are you, are you going to be saving it in 8 bit instead of 16 bit so you've got less bits per per pixel let, less amount of data per pixel to actually save the image you um, what the camera does and they're probably getting better but my my 5D Mark 3 a few years ago I took it in for a sensor cleaning before I went on an important job and luckily before the job I had a a morning free and i was out doing some some personal work before that and towards the end of the morning i realized that they they changed it into jpeg and i'd been shooting jpeg and not raw mm. and later on when i looked at those images i had some some shots of some mountains and and rice fields and i, I zoomed in to 100% to check the detail and there was no detail in the rice fields each mm. each grain of each blade of of rice was um, was all merged into the next and so they'd actually taken the detail in the texture and mushed it all up Um it looked fine at a, at full you know at the full uh, script, you know, normal viewing but as soon as you look at it closely you know the detail isn't there and so I mean it's not only a, a a the ability to change things later it's actually gonna depending on the scene the amount of texture that you've got in there you could actually destroy detail in the image as well
0: Are there, for both of you guys, are there any circumstances where it it would be advantageous to shoot JPEG only, in your opinion? Valerie, what do you think? I mean, without that raw safety net in there at all, or all that data, just shooting JPEG exclusively.
2: Well, if I wanted to shoot more... (laughs) I mean, I was actually you ran I out of
0: space on it, your cards because yeah. you didn't bring enough cards. So I tell
2: to... my that's happened to some of my students. Actually, they they run out of space, you know, by midday, and and I said, well, just you know, don't start deleting. Just switch to JPEG for the rest of the day, if you you know, unless you can buy a new card along the way. But uh, that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So emergency situations only. It mm-hmm. sounds like Martin, you agree with that?
1: If I had to, if I was in an emergency situation, I would literally go back and start deleting old images off would the you. card before I went to JPEG. Um, just because I know that if, it, again, it depends what you're shooting. If there's not a lot of very fine detail in in the image, and it's a it's a toss up, I I agree with with Valerie's advice, and I think maybe for street photography yeah, it's, that'd be it uh, it it probably isn't going to be a, make a big difference mm-hmm. but for me when i've got texture in the shot um, no matter what i it's uh, there's often a lot of fine texture and that's what i don't want to, to mess up and so i i would rather go back and start to delete some images uh, than than go you know than actually switch to jpeg all right perfect
3: That's yeah,
2: true I, and and street photography calls for a completely different standard you know I mean this um, it's like if you have to you know sometime you have to compromise the the technical aspect of the image for the story and the story will always win over the technical quality yeah. and sometime it all comes together but those are pretty rare instances you know so um, it's really all about the, the story and not so much about the the pixels
0: yeah. I, I think have got can... I've got three phrases here from you guys. So Valerie, I've got all about the story. I'm searching for the title for this episode. <laughs> I've got all about the story, and then two for Martin: dirty data and condemning quality.
2: <laughs> I like the dirty data.
0: You, you've, <laughs> no, you, I mean
1: what, what Valerie just said though is that obviously if if it's a toss up between getting a shot that's not technically ac- not technically perfect, but but still a great shot or not getting the shot at all, then of, of course, I don't think mm-hmm. it, obviously it's not just street photography. I think that goes for any kind of photography. Yeah, that's true. But it. Yeah. But if you've got a choice, then then I, I would probably do what I said.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, before we continue with this week's listener Q&A segment, I want to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP Eight. And remember, in this episode, we mentioned that Derek Story with his new photohelpdesk.com website and Joseph Linaski with apertureexpert.com both use squarespace.com to drive their online efforts. And one of the reasons or a bunch of the reasons why they do that is Squarespace is easy. Everything is drag and drop. You can use drag and drop to add content from your desktop, even rearrange elements and content within a page, they've got 24 seven support. So if you get stuck, you can call them anytime and they do live chats during the week, plus they have an extremely fast email support service, so you can get them throughout the day and night. Squarespace is design-focused, so they really care about just sort of the look and feel and the design of their templates and sites. Everything is extremely clean. They allow your content to be the focus of the website, plus you can easily connect your Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest Instagram, Google Plus, and many other social services directly into your website. And to wrap everything up, they've got a responsive design. Every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. So depending on whatever device is looking at your site, it's going to look beautiful. It's perfect whatever device, device is looking at it. And on top of all this, they've added commerce. Squarespace recently added e-commerce to the platform. So if you want to set up shop and sell things, you can do it in just a few minutes. So you can start a free trial. You don't need a credit card. You can start building your website. And then when you decide to purchase that website and sign up Squarespace, you can do so. Just use the offer code TWIP. and they'll knock 10% off the purchase price. That's Twip8 for 10% off. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay, guys, it is time for our listener Q&A segment. This is where you guys answer some questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. Um, We've got a question about a laptop recommendation. It's from Dave. He says, his girlfriend is in the market to buy a new laptop and wants to get one with a good display for working on photos. Currently, she has a Lenovo. Unfortunately, it has a display with a bluish cast, which makes it hard to accurately edit photos. She's not a power user, and she mostly uses her laptop for email, web, Facebook, office, that kind of thing. And she likes to work on her photos using PaintShop Pro. They still make PaintShop Pro. Yeah, Um, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, cool. I want to see some of her work. All right, so she, uh, uh, Dave wants to know he wants a recommendation on a low to medium price laptop that would be good for that level of photographer. Valerie, what do you think? I know you've got teenage, you got a teenager, at least one teenager there, right? So, uh,
2: yeah, but they have expensive tastes. So <laughs> <laughs> I get their hand me downs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. They've got the power computers, and mom gets the uh, the leftover.
2: Actually, my first MacBook Pro was actually uh, I bought it twice because I bought it from my son,
0: yeah,
2: as a present, and then when he got something else, then I bought it back from him. So you I actually bought it. it twice.
0: You bought it back from because he's like, it mom, twice. it's mine. You gave, <laughs> exactly if you want it. You gotta buy it. <laughs>
2: But I just I just bought the the 11 inch MacBook Air which is Ooh. two pounds. That and, thing is crazy. And it has it is small, but you know what? I I favor comfort over size of screen because yeah. I was logging an older 15 inch um, MacBook before and it's heavy. And now I'm carrying this little camera. It was ridiculous. I'm like, okay, yeah. I got the the MacBook Air and it's only for travel and um, and You feel like I'm you're cheating like,
0: though, don't you? Don't you feel like you're cheating when you can make those great images and you only have like three pounds of stuff with you?
2: <laughs> I know, it's crazy But um, and then when I'm home I'm, I'm working on a 27 inch which was really strange after a month of, of slow internet and the 11 inch uh, MacBook uh, Air but yeah. uh, it was great. I have no regrets. I was so comfortable so, so basically, a, it's, it's
0: so in wonderful. this question in this question from Dave, in parentheses at the end of his question, he says, are there particular manufacturers known to have better displays besides Apple? She's a PC user. <laughs>
2: uh, see, I couldn't answer, but I'm sure there is. And
0: um, like Does Sony is? have some cool stuff coming out? Like, Martin, you're, not, you're, you're Mac as well, but do you know of any, like, if you were to, one of your best friends comes up to you and says, hey, Martin... I don't want to use a Mac. Um, what should I get? I'm I'm just starting out in photography. Well, how would you counsel him?
1: I I would say um, you know for for the listener with the question as well. Um, rather the the biggest thing is calibration, rather than the quality of this. I mean, obviously the quality of the screen matters, but a blue cast that just screams color color monkey yeah. display. Or you know if you if you get a they're, they're like two hundred dollars or two fifty for a. Uh, an i1 display pro or something like that you, you need to calibrate it um, but then you know if you want to go for a laptop that has has a better screen HP and Dell uh, and some Asus models have have good screens and if you if you really want to make sure that it's good for photography just try to check the specs because if you if you can see a lot of them will say something like they they cover not, the the color gamut is 95 percent of Adobe RGB and things like that, and 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 that's what you want to look for. A lot of the higher end ones have have uh, Adobe RGB. Ninety five percent of Adobe RGB. Some of them only have sRGB. Um, it'll all work, and and it's if you calibrate it, you'll get rid of all of the blue tints and things like that. It's not a magic bullet. Some screens are so low low grade that you can't calibrate them up to a, you know, to, to get them in line with what the real world looks like.
0: But, but Lenovo, Lenovo should be a pretty good brand,
1: right? Yeah, I, I used to use a, a Lenovo in my old job um, before I, you know, before I cut the cord and it was fine, you know, I, it was it was not and and people think that the the screens on on apples are are good quality. They are good quality but they're not, they're not the best quality. I mean, if I if I need to look at my images uh, and make some really really fine changes i'll come up into my office and and I'll, I'll stick the azo on it azo monitors are the ones that that really show you what your images look like mm. and even though i can sit here with my azo and my my macbook pro retina screen you know obviously the retina is beautiful it's it's got great color reproduction but i can see more more detail and more gradations in my azo than i can on the macbook so you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's just if you really, really was do, were doing color color correction or any sort of product or printing things like that, then you're going to want to try and get an, an external monitor. And HP do a do a great monitor. Um, NEC do great great external monitors, but the the king of, of that area is ASO. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was actually talking to a guy at a at a, a f- a trade fair here in Japan. Uh, one of the people from ASO. And they've they had a a new uh, I think it was a 4K display and it was like I think it was like eleven thousand uh, dollars. So obviously yeah. they're not going to be putting that on the market for normal people yet. No. But but yeah. he was he was asking how much I would pay for a like a 27 inch or a 30 inch 4K monitor uh, because the, especially you know the the new Mac um, Pro with the the little drum the cylinder. Right. Is is going to support 4K? Two 4K monitors out of the box, and so that's going to start to change things. Um, and I was saying I would probably pay I don't know one and a half times what I would pay for a non 4K monitor of the same size. Um, so I think they're coming. I mean, they're not they're not obviously going to listen just to me, but I think they're ga- they're trying to gauge the price of what they what they will be able to charge. And I, I would pay a little bit more, but I mean, I'm I'm kind of sidetracking here. Azo's the yeah. way to go if you want. Ultimate color reproduction.
0: But if she, so for Dave's girlfriend, it sounds like what your suggestion she do is to calibrate that Lenovo that she already has before. Try that first. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: I mean, definitely. You're not gonna you're not gonna lose anything because even even if you go on and buy a new computer, you should really still calibrate the monitor once you've done that anyway. But if she's only a hobbyist, you know, it's not that big a deal. But yeah. it could be, it could be the difference between by set spending 250 dollars for an i1 pro display Pro or something like that, and then be able to continue to use the, the current machine or you know if, if you still can't get it quite right, then you haven't lost anything because you still, still want to you'd be wise to calibrate your new, new machine as well.
0: Yeah, well yeah, start start with the lowest common denominator first and then yeah. grow from there. All right, guys. Um, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Um, this is the segment where our audience, the folks that are watching and listening to this, can uh, hear our co-hosts suggest something that they should go grab, and the only restrictions are that something needs to somehow be related to photography. Valerie, what uh, is your Pick of the Week?
2: It's a, a book, again, uh, and it's uh, Zach Arias's. Uh, Book. I don't know if you can say that. Sounds (laughs) funny. Uh, Photography Q and A: Real questions, real answers, and everyone should read that book. It's uh, it's raw. It's funny. It's so honest, and um, we need more of that. And I think he wrote the book. That kind of stemmed from his Q and A blog, um, and it's um, it touches pretty much any aspect of photography, and. I just love it and actually yeah. he was just interviewed uh, by Nex Pirello on the Candid Frame so mm-hmm. I urge people to listen to the interview Zach Garius uh, he's, also, he's also a Fuji user.
0: Yes I know he's and I, to- I actually spoke to Zach uh, earlier this week we had a, it was an interview, it was just a, a, a phone conversation and, um, and by the way I'm trying to get him to come on here I want to interview yes. him and be a co-host be and all that so fingers crossed um, but uh, I told him he is one of the primary reasons for my exploration into the world of mirrorless is that video that he put on YouTube when he, I think the title that he put at the beginning of it was something like, the DSLR is dead or something yeah. like <laughs> that. Like, how can you not watch a video with Zachary <laughs> with that at the beginning? So that started, that was among the beginning of my journey in, into the world of mirrorless.
2: But yeah. it's the main reason why I actually bought the Fuji. Oh. After yeah. seeing his work and his uh yeah. yeah. And and actually I was so um inspired by his book that I started my own Q&A blog. So Oh, very cool. Where is that at? Uh, it's just through my Squarespace blog. It's a new Q&A I just started this week. So I'm going to I just got a lot of answers so I'm going to try to answer maybe three questions a week or so.
0: Very cool! Awesome! Congratulations thanks. on that. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for that pick of the week. The photography Q and A: Real questions, real answers at Peach Pit Press for around twenty bucks on Amazon. Or yeah, it's published by Peach Pit, but twenty bucks on Amazon. Go check it out. And Martin, what's your pick of the week? Yours are I, always I'm, you like technical. I like this. What is yeah. it? Well, you know what? I'd like to just say what she
1: said because, <laughs> because um, uh, you know, I'm I've just finished reading that as well, and it's just it's just amazing. So, I I'm, you know, I have something else, but I can't I can't say enough about uh, about Zach and
0: his his new book and his work and everything. Yeah, um, but he is—he gonna... is inspirational. I gotta tell you, absolutely. I mean, he uh, yeah. when I when I was speaking to him, you know, just like most most all you guys are the same way, you know. All, it seems like everyone that that we deal with on Twitter, um, and in in photography, when I speak to folks, are just normal, genuine people that yeah. like to share stuff. And he seemed exactly like that, you know, just this normal guy, no BS, no yeah. pretension, just you know, I am yeah. what I am. Yeah, you, I, I actually
1: I met him in New York last year um, at the the Luminance uh, Photo Shelter's Luminance uh, show, and he was he was just so down to earth. Um, yeah. He he we had lunch w- one day. He he walked up, and I'd already you know I'd I'd spoken to him a few times, and he walked up, and he's like, I'm I'm gonna have lunch with my little British Japanese friend, and, <laughs> and he was he was uh, he, he was just so down to it. Um,
0: That's he awesome. actually—he—that's he, what I'm going to call you from now on, by
1: the way. <laughs> he he actually—I'm kicking myself because he emailed me earlier this week. No, uh, last week, and saying I, I'm going to be in Tokyo at the end of the month. Can we can we meet up? I'm going to be in Iceland. Mm. I, I'm in Iceland from the 24th. It's the it's the first time I've thought. Oh no. Uh, but you know, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd rather be in Iceland, but it's a close call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well,
0: have yeah. him bounce through Iceland on his way to Tokyo. How about That'd that? That'd be nice.
1: <laughs> so, so my my pick of the week. I'm actually I mentioned this a few months ago. Um, but I'm going to come back to one an an iPhone app called Photo Pills, and the reason I'm going to come back to to on that is because the guys over at Photo Pills have sent me five. Codes uh, mm-hmm. to get to download. It's nine It's nine dollars ninety nine. So you can save yourself a, a cent off ten dollars if uh, if you want one of these codes. It's a great app. It's basically for um, for staking out new locations. They they. It's kind of like the photographer's ephemeris, where it knows where the sun and the moon's going to be at any certain time. But it's all about planning a location shoot so that you get the the best the light at the best point in the sky, um, you know you know exactly where the sun's going to be and your elevation and all of that. And yeah. it's got a whole bunch of other features that are just you know great for the photographer. So it it's like it's like an all-in-one ap- uh, application in some ways as well. But I've got five codes and um, I th- I figured you know I I mentioned this first on Twitter, so. Rather than sending them out to my own audience, I'll give them to the to five the first five people that email me from Twit, and that, what I'll do is I'll set up an email address, photo pills, just one word, photopills at martinbaileyphotography com, and the first five people that email me, um,
0: I'll I'll send a code. And I'm I'll I'll emailing you now, Martin. So that's <laughs> the first four people to email. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <So, So>, kid.
1: <laughs> so I um. And I'll sort that out for you, Frederick. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, I, what I'll do is I'll also set up an auto responder. So once these five are gone, you'll just get an email saying, "Sorry, you know, they, they've all gone." So I won't keep you in suspense. If if you email and you and you get an auto reply straight away, you'll know that you you were too late. But give it a try. I mean, it, it's 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 a, a great, great idea. Reply. I like you're, the,
2: you're, the, you're so organized. The, I'm so impressed.
1: I'm taking notes. Setting
2: up the separate email address with an autoresponder. Oh
0: I'm, I'm taking never, notes. I would never yeah. have thought of that. Uh, no, I'm going to claim that I, th- I thought of that. And <laughs> well, thank you, Martin. Uh, it's awesome. Perfect. That's a perfect tip. So my, my pick of the week is, um, I'm going to go what we talked about at the top of the show, and that's uh, Photoshop World. I'm going to try my hardest to get out to Photoshop World, and if you see me um, stop me and say hello because I may be giving away a couple of things from our friends and 500 picks. but um, uh, yeah my, my pick of the week is the fact that if you sign up for Photoshop World you get a year of Creative Cloud so definitely check that out if you if you're on the fence because then you can cancel it after that year and you've had a year to play with Photoshop you can't, you can't really lose with that so definitely check it out
2: so that's something they're giving to everyone
0: Everyone just, that goes uh, to Photoshop World.
2: Okay, even so. people who've signed up, like, signed up six months ago,
0: probably. Yeah, I would assume so. Wow, yeah.
2: yep. that's impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, like I said, that's unprecedented, and it's... You know, I guess it's the kind of thing you can do when you're when you're selling bits, right? I mean, you couldn't do that if you were selling iPhones, but you, but it's uh, it's still there's a high dollar value associated with Adobe software, and it is industry standard for most of what creative folks do today. So if you're just getting into photography and you're you want to dive into Photoshop, you can get Photoshop for free and then get on YouTube and look for tutorials on how to use the thing or go to Kelby Training or whatever, you know, and get all this training and learn how to use it. Then after that year, if you say, you know what, it's not really for me, you can cancel it. You know, you don't have to worry about it. So I thought thought that was a really generous and cool of both Kelby, the Kelby crew, and Adobe to put that out to the photographers. All right. Um, Okay, at the end of the show, the end of the episode, I'll have an interview coming up in a couple seconds after the close with fashion photographer Lindsay Adler. So if you want to hear that interview, just stay tuned after the credits. We will uh, roll that for you. But we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Valerie, where would you like the listeners to go to keep up with you?
2: Uh, Just to my website, my Squarespace website, Uh, and it's valerijardinphotography.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, photography, all in one word.
0: I have come to the realization that I am never going to pronounce your name the way it's intended (laughs) to be pronounced. (laughs) I've come to terms with that, Valerie. (laughs) All right, Martin, where would you like people to go to keep up with you? Uh, everything's at
1: martinbaileyphotography.com,
0: and then once again, just Martin, I just want to remind people if they want to get that photo pills um, uh, application, you have codes, five codes for it, and they can email yep. you at photo pills at martinbaileyphotography.com. First come, first serve. If you get an autoresponder message saying we're sold out. Then Martin is sold out and he has no more. <laughs> so, yeah. but five—you I mean, got to get more than five, Martin. Come on, you can load yeah. that autoresponder with a few more.
1: <laughs> and and if people are, are worried, it's it's not me fishing for email addresses. If you get an autoresponder, then your email isn't isn't recorded or anything. It's it's just me
0: trying to help a a company that's got a great product. That's great. That's awesome. Although I was thinking that would be a great way to capture email addresses. <laughs> <laughs> like brilliant give away codes you don't have to do anything it's perfect <laughs> alright cool man alright uh, and listeners if you want to keep up with everything in the This Week in Photo universe you can check us out on thisweekinphoto.com and you can join our community over on Google Plus and if you're looking for me you can find me at frederickvan.com or at mediabytes.com and with that it's time to take that lens cap off Okay, I'm here with uh Miss Lindsay Adler. She's a New York based photographer, as I said a minute ago. Um, she's taken time out of her busy schedule today to chat with us about some of the amazing things that she's doing and involved with and just photography in general. I wanna get an idea of what life is like from the the standpoint of a hotshot New York photographer. So <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> so this is what we're going to be talking about. So Lindsay, let's talk about your background a little bit first. So you you went to school, you're classically trained. You went to Syracuse University. How was that? And did you know that you were going to be a photographer before you started attending university?
4: Yeah, definitely. I um I Okay, so I was a huge nerd in school, which I think many photographers can relate to. Yeah. We're a nerdy bunch?
0: Yes, we are. Um
4: so. and I I actually wasn't I didn't even take art in school because I was such a nerd. I was like, okay, I need to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something, you know, yep. you know, something that all this hard work in school would pay off for. Um, and when I was 13 or 14, I picked up a camera and it, it was just a natural fit. You know, it was just me through and through. And so I actually started my business when I was 15 and yeah. cause I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit So I figured if I'm good at it and I can make money from it, why not? So my mom helped me start my business. Um, So my mom was actually my business partner. And um, so from 15 and throughout high school, I photographed upperclassmen. And so I did high school senior portraits. And then after the high school senior portraits, it was families and weddings and all that stuff. So once I was getting ready to graduate, I was like, you know what? I already can make money at this. I love it. And my mom was a really good example. My mom does not like her job. Um, And she never has.
3: Uh And
4: so she said, whatever it is that you love, if you're doing what you love, it's not work in the same way. It's not working for someone else. It's not working for someone else's success. It's for you and your passion. So when I, I graduated. I decided I was going to do photography. It's what mom said would be the best thing to make me happiest in life, and my mom is very wise.
0: And what they, you know, what they say? They say uh, you'll never work a day in your life as long as you're doing something you love, right? So,
4: and I work my butt off, but it's okay. Like it's
0: yeah, it's not really work because it's like it's fun. It's it's like you're getting paid to do something that you're excited about. So it's different than making donuts every day at four a.m., right? (laughs)
4: Well, and it's one of those things too. Is when you work for yourself, um, it can be the hardest thing because all the responsibility falls on you. But it's also the most rewarding thing because all the rewards come to you. It's you're feeding the labors of your love. It's it's basically building yourself and and uh, your your career baby. <laughs> That's what I call it. Yeah, I have a baby, but I have a career baby. I love I it. it all the time. I love um, it. But yeah, for school for school. Um, I did go, I went to Syracuse University because I looked at art schools, but I'm not, I'm not hating on art schools, but it looked like they didn't really prepare people to be successful. They prepared them to create beautiful art, but not necessarily succeed at making that their livelihood. And that's not the opposite of what I wanted. So I went to Syracuse because I actually ended up getting a degree in business photography and then also political science. And I did that for the writing part um, for the political science. So I, I knew that success was much more than the photography. And so actually when I was, um, let's see, I think I was like 16, um, I kind of started to decide, you know what, this is probably what I want to do for a living. So I was very blessed that so many photographers are really willing to help and answer questions. So any professional photographer I encountered, whether they were famous, whether they were just a person in my town, I said, I want to be a photographer when I grow up. What's one piece of advice you can give me? And they all, like, the most common response is don't go to art school. Get a business degree. Because if you're successful at business, it doesn't necessarily matter how good your photography is, which – Somewhat somewhat true. I it's
0: it's unfortunate, but yeah, true. It's true in marketing too, as you know. I know you wrote a book on, on social media marketing and all that. So you could have a the greatest photographer in the world that doesn't know how to market himself and no one will ne- will ever hear about him. And conversely, you could have a crappy photographer that is just, you know, point and click on, on auto or P mode all the time and not really doing creative high caliber work, but knows how to market themselves. And everyone will think, "Wow, what a great person!" <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate. Right.
4: And I, I respect those people for their business acumen and their success and totally. knowledge for marketing. You won't hear me ever. If it was people that exist, I just won't hear me compliment their photography. I'll compliment their business mind, and then just leave the photography part out of it
0: because yeah. I, I see love it.
4: A, a lot of. So let's talk about let's around. talk about
0: the writing piece of it a little bit. So you've written a couple of books now. I've got a list here. You've written a linked photographers guide to online marketing and social media, something that I'm that's near and dear to my heart. You wrote uh, fashion flair for portrait and wedding photography, um, and you've got a new one, or actually, you wrote another one called uh, shooting in shitty light. It, we're, it, that's S H, not shooting in the city light. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me. So these are awesome books. And I I, will link to these definitely in the blog post for this episode. But uh, tell me about the shooting in shitty light one. Where did that come from? You just trying to be controversial. What's going on here?
4: Um, Well, part of uh, the reason I decided to do the title was, uh, you know, that Samuel L. Jackson narrated book, Go to Sleep. Yes, yes. So I was like, that made me laugh. So that's why I was inspired. But the real reason that I did it is, um, you know, the first book I did was on social media because I found that I wish that book had existed for me, so I could learn how to grow online. I had to figure that out myself. And then um, one of the things I picked up along the way um, with my business is that when I started using, you know, fashion techniques in my work, it helped me grow. It helped me be a better photographer. So I wrote a book on that. So I was kind of progressing. What are the books I wish existed? when I was growing to save me time and save me you know, a lot of effort. And so for the third book, I was trying to figure out, okay, really, this time, instead of you know stumbling across the, a concept, really thinking, what is the number one book I wish when I started off existed? And this was it. Um, I was a portrait and wedding photographer, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was constantly encountering situations where I'd walk into the room or walk into the situation, and my heart would race in horror at how bad the light was. And Mm -hmm. the fact that I was overwhelmed because I didn't know what to do with it. And my job as a photographer, I can't complain about it. I just have to find a solution. And so I went through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of jobs where I didn't do a good job um, because it was shitty light that I didn't know how to handle. So the book um, that I wrote, and I co-wrote it with my friend, Eric Valland, um, and the book that we wrote was the top 10 worst lighting situations and then how to handle it simply. Um, because my eyes would just glaze over when people would start getting too complicated and, and, you know, five flashes, uh, off camera, two to light the ceiling, one and it would just make me. Lighting ratios
0: in this and inverse square law. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: It doesn't need to be that complicated. So that was what that book was for. Just because I wanted to help people not go through the suffering that I did starting my career.
0: Love it. Love it. And then another one you've got is this one There's another one that's coming out called Creative 52. Right. What's what's that about? Is that 50 taking a shot being creative every week or what are we talking about here?
4: Yeah. So that's I mean, that's basically the idea. The reason this started is that after after college, um, I went to London to be a fashion photographer and I got a meeting with this big editor, um, at a, a, a big magazine. And so this was, I just started over in London. So I figured this was my in like, this meant that I was going to be successful. And this was it, this was the start of my career. And so I met with this guy and I brought in my portfolio and, uh, he looked through the entire thing and he didn't say a word. And at the end he passed the book back to me and he looked me in the eyes, like straight in the eyes and said, um, I would start again. I, I would do your portfolio over from scratch. And, uh, wow. I wanted to die, <laughs> yeah. probably the worst thing you could ever hear. Um, and the reason he said this, and I you know, was able to ask him why and he said that, um, my pictures were pretty and all, you know, they were well composed and well lit and all that stuff. But he said that I blended in with the crowd. Um, there was nothing unique about my work. There was nothing eye catching. And in the scheme of it, if you're trying to succeed in this world, the minimum, the bare minimum is having the techniques down. And, and but after that, it's standing out from the millions of people that want to be photographers. He's like, I look at 10 photographers a week, they all blend in unless you've got something new to offer. And the same thing if someone's looking through, um, looking for a wedding photographer, if everyone's work looks the same, you just blend in. So, um, that next year, um, I instead of just doing client shoots, you know, which sometimes are boring and you're just kind of for me, I was shooting. Look books or you know basic model shoots. Um, once a week, I gave myself an assignment to shoot something more creative. And so all the work that people praise me for now did not exist before I had that harsh criticism. Um, so great. I was able to actually give myself a new portfolio very that's quickly. Um, and I actually turn over my work. Most of it, I would say, seventy-five percent of my portfolio is new almost every single year.
0: That's so. that's great. So that's one of the things I want to talk about. So. You, you talked a little bit about your transition from some from being a high school. You're in high school and also shooting upperclassmen and then moving on with your mom's encouragement into being a professional sort of portrait and wedding photographer. And then now a fashion, a successful fashion photographer. How do you make that transition from weddings and portraits to fashion? What was what was the catalyst? Was it like getting meetings with key people? You know, how did you do that?
4: so I started off by the best thing that college was for me was, you know, the business was good, but the photography part wasn't about learning techniques. It was forcing myself to try everything. Um, so at the end of my career in college, I had done, um, food photography and product photography and portraits and photojournalism. And at the very end, I had a class that taught me fashion photography, kind of the the masters of it. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, I got bit by the fashion bug, you know, and I loved it because it was the closest thing to fine art, but it fit me better because I was able to have, you know, visual goals and purpose and all that stuff. So, um, long story short is I was running my portrait business and I started to use some of these fashion techniques and then I discovered that I really wanted to do fashion photography in New York. And so what ended up happening is I would reach out to people in New York city and pitch ideas. I have an idea for a shoot that looks like this, and I would put together a mood board. So I'd have like, ideally what the hair and makeup would look like, and ideally the model and the clothing and the location. And so I just started to test with people. I started to test with like, hair and makeup, and I convinced some agencies to send me models. And this doesn't have to do with me having like, amazing work or anything at the time, because if you saw my work, that was not the case. <laughs> um, I just – regular portrait work. Um, But what I found is a lot of agencies just wanted to see that you have pretty portraits of women, basically. Um, And so I was able to get them to send me girls. And so I built it. You know, once I had some good models, I was able to get some good hair and makeup. Once I had good hair and makeup and uh, models, I was able to get good clothing and then able to reach out to publications. So the big thing that helped me transition is uh, actually my wardrobe stylist. So I met my wardrobe stylist on the place that many people are like, what? I can't believe it. I met her on Model Mayhem. <laughs>
0: nice. I was going to ask you my, about that. Wow.
4: My amazing wardrobe stylist that I work with on almost every project to this day. Um, and we ended up kind of growing together. But for her job, she already had all the connections. She already knew publications. She already knew celebrities. She already had the connections with the clothing companies and, and whatnot, the designers. And so once I proved myself to her, meaning we did a shoot together. I was professional. She liked the images. I respected her. I was timely, all of that. Then you know, she loved working with me. And so then she would say, well, let me introduce you to this person. And well, I've got a contact at this magazine. And so it's not like who you know as far as like, oh, my uncle is you know this guy. It's right. who you make yourself known to. Like I was a good business person. And I held up my end of the bargain and put myself out there, tried to connect with different people. And you only need a couple, well-connected people to let that door open for you. Yeah. And so, yeah,
0: I love it. That see, that's that's golden advice. And one of the key things that I picked up from what you were just saying is having a good team. And a lot, a lot of photographers, by by definition, photography, especially hobbyists, tend to be solo. Right? They're like. I'm going to take my camera and my lenses. I'm going to go out and shoot my pictures. I'm going to post-process them and post them to my social networks. But it's not a collaborative effort. And It sounds like what you're saying is you've got a team of really good people behind you, both on the networking side and on the actually creating the image that help you bring your your vision sketch, your vision board to
4: life, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't do anything that I did alone at all because... First of all, like hair and makeup, I, I suck at that. I tried to do that myself. Um, and then I, I don't know how to express it. So I'll tell my hair and makeup, you know, the mood that I'm looking for. And then she can bring her talent and her vision to the table. And the same thing with the hair. And so like a lot of my favorite images, I am overall kind of the coordinator of the vision and almost like an event coordinator. I bring everybody together. I put the right ingredients and, and try to keep the right environment to help us produce together but i'm kind of the overseer but nothing would happen without all the pieces and so that's why i try in my social media and on my facebook to credit these people because there's no way that it's all me yeah and yeah. i know this because a lot of times too when i lose pieces of the puzzle you know if somebody wasn't on point that day or or one member of the team i usually work with is gone it's not the same yeah so i know that it's not all me
0: i love that i love that yeah it's a it's a it's a group effort which is awesome so let, let's transition this a little bit. I wanna talk about you were ta- you and I were talking about before I, I started recording this that you you sort of present to me as one of the leading edge, evolving photographers. Because there's some there's some photographers that are like, you know what, video, I'm not doing that stuff, you know, whatever. Um just like in the old days it was like film, digital is not yeah, whatever. I'm I'm a film shooter, I'm a real photographer, you know but you seem to have embraced all this stuff from the social media aspect to getting the word out about your stuff to even your work itself. I was looking at some of the videos on your site, amazing stuff, you know? So what, where did that come from? Are you just pushing the envelope? Did, did uh, a client say, Hey, Lindsay, do something with video for me cause we want to put it in a mall. You know, where did, where did all that stuff come from?
4: I think that I've always, since I, you know, began working professionally, just like I just told you, I yes, I'm a photographer, but I'm more than that. It's something even above that in the sense that um, I'm an image maker
3: mm-hmm.
4: and I'm a coordinator of a concept. And because I'm an image maker and I'm coordinating a concept and a creative director, that doesn't just have to be with still photography. And so um, a few years ago, I was looking at some videos um, like Louis Vuitton ads, and I came across this one director um, I believe you'd say his name, Bruno Avelan, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw his work and I just, I was speechless. Like I I didn't have any, I couldn't even describe it. It's emotionally engaging. There's storytelling, but without being too direct. Um, It's just, it's eye candy, but with a purpose. And so although he's a commercial, he works in commercial realm and and he does ads for Samsung and he does ads for Louis Vuitton and all of that, um, it is art first and foremost but then it's tied into a brand and i, I love that and i was so inspired i wanted to try video because i realized you know i'm just as attracted to the moving images that he creates as i am to still photography so um i actually began kind of backwards from what you would think i began before i began shooting because again i was a coordinator of vision so what i did is i reached out to some directors online I did the good old fashioned Craigslist and and, uh, Google searches to find um, people that had directed or had uh, done some DPing, um, you know, the director of photography shooting, using the camera there um, for a variety of things. Like I found some guy that had done some Ralph Lauren ads. I watched the credits at the end and I reached out to him and I just kept asking. And what I realized is it's never, it never hurts to ask. So I asked a ton of people and a lot of these people just like me, um, you get the bills paid with the boring stuff often, um, but you live for the creative stuff. And so a lot of these amazing people I reached out to said, yes, because they're doing all the bill paying stuff, but don't get as much of the creative. So I was able to direct several beautiful pieces right off the bat because I didn't have to know at that point what kind of camera that is or exactly what piece of gear that is, but I could explain what I wanted the shot to look like, what I wanted it to accomplish, what I wanted the lighting to be. And so I take all those pieces and I could direct something now, um, maybe cause I'm a control freak. I <laughs> like to shoot a lot myself. Um, cause I like to be behind that camera and I like to be, sometimes just holding it and seeing the shot in your hands changes what you want. Um, yeah, so yeah, really. so it started off purely personal projects and then it transitioned to the fact that, um, for example, last season, um, a couple, well, one in particular, a fashion designer, had seen my fine art um, film somewhere online and said, can you do a fashion film for me? And what we're going to do is we're going to use our new pieces for this uh, this new collection. We're going to play it huge on a screen at Fashion Week when we introduce our collection. And as soon as it ends, we'll have the models walk down the runway. And so oh, I was able cool. to do pieces like that. No, that was great. Um, and then, of course, the stuff that pays the bills a lot for me are actually kind of Kind of like fashion portraits or they're basically branding images for celebrities and athletes that they'll say, okay, these, this is the, uh, vision or the message I want to communicate about myself. So we'll shoot it. But while we're there and we have the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe, it is definitely value added for me to be able to say, you know what, let me just mic you up and let's film oh, a couple of video clips that you can use for a promo or put on your website. Yeah, totally. Or while we have this great set and we're shooting shoes for an ad, let's also do a 30-second clip that you can use to uh, introduce your brand. So it's value added. Even if I don't charge that much extra, you can get two productions um, from me instead of one. And it. let me tell you, putting these productions together if it were separate days and paying for everything again, it's a lot cheaper if you can try to get both done at once.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about your um – where inspiration comes from? Because looking looking at your site, is just like one image after another of like, okay, she's going in this direction. Now she's going. To, it all looks great, you know. But how do you? what do these ideas come from? You're sitting in a cab on the way to dinner, and you're like, I want to do this, and then you sketch it out and do it. We're like, where's the genesis?
4: It's funny because I'm. I didn't actually consider myself creative at all, even after I was a working photographer, even doing fashion photography at all until maybe a couple years ago because I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't do arts and crafts. I'm not like I never sketch ideas in in that kind of way. Yeah. What I what I realized is I didn't think I was creative because I had a process. So it seemed easy because I could keep doing it over and over again. So if I could summarize my process more or less, um, what I'll do for every shoot is I'll pick one thing that I know is certain. Like my wardrobe status will show me a dress. We have to do a shoot that fits this dress. Or she'll show me an individual, a model or a celebrity, and tell me a little bit about them. Or I'll find a picture on Pinterest of lighting that I love. And basically, I'll pick the one element, whether it's the hair, the makeup, the wardrobe, the location, the lighting, the subject, the Photoshop effect, whatever it is. And I'll look at that, or the location even, and I'll look at that and try to figure out, like, dwelling on it, what kind of words come to mind? kind of movies come to mind. If I have that location, what kind of dress would a model be wearing? What kind of story could I see in that location or, or that dress? What do I like best about it? Okay. I like movement. So what kind of shot could I do with a movement with that kind of movement? What location could it be in? So basically I pick one thing and I build on it and I, I start writing down words that, uh, come to mind when I see that one piece and I'll look them up on Pinterest. And I'll look them up online. So I I did a shoot a couple weeks ago um, where the theme was Golden Goddess. Okay, so Golden Goddess, how do I build this? Okay, well, the goddess part, you know, reminds me of Queen. And so I got, um, I was able to reach out and have my, direct my uh, wardrobe stylist to get kind of crowns and headdresses. And then Golden, of course, have everything be gold. And then I was able to build a metallic set, which was cheap. It was, it's actually a shiny poster board glued onto V flats, um, you know, gold shiny materials and you know, goddess, I want somebody that had a very regal look, long lines, long neck. So I just start with something like a title or a word and I build from there. Um and of course, having that creative team, I show my wardrobe stylist the things I like and she goes, I've got the perfect designer for that. And she brings up a bunch of things. And I say, yes, that's exactly the direction to go. And she'll go that way. And then I'll explain to makeup, okay, I need something that's that's shiny. It's, it's rich. I need gold hues. And then she takes that in her direction. So, yeah, um, the ideas just come from starting with one thing and, and exploring the different possibilities. But the most important part is whatever idea idea I pick out, I've got to be able to do it. Yeah. It's got to be something that I can afford to build. I can't pick something that's too big of a production or too expensive, so I I bring it back down, you know, not down in a bad way, but I bring it back into the realm of what I'm best able to create.
0: That's really, that's really cool. Now, uh, I want to, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to get an idea of what your, the back end of the, the Lindsay Adler Enterprises sort of look like there. Because I'm looking, when I was researching for this interview, you've got a store, you got a blog. You got workshops. You got all this stuff going on. You and you're shooting, so you can't possibly be doing this by yourself, of course. So you've got—is there a team there that's handling all that stuff for you, or do you just like work fifty hours a day?
4: All of the above. <laughs> um, right. Well, right now I'm in my apartment, so this isn't the the real behind the scenes. Um, I have a studio in Chelsea, um, and I have a studio manager, Jeff handles everything that i can't or that i need to helping me organize calling and setting things up and then behind me actually is becky um she's my intern and so whenever i have shoots where i need something um set up or i need her to purchase something she'll take care of that and then she helps train other assistants when i'm done with the shoot and i'm I shall back things up for me. I'll select my favorite images, and she organizes for a retoucher and make sure it's up to the standards that I want for a retoucher. Um, I mean, just anything and everything kind of these two handle. I've got someone handling my taxes. I actually actually recently hired my mom to handle all the administrative work. Nice. Um, And mom's like, yes, it
0: (laughs) all comes back.
4: (laughs) Exactly. She helped me start my business, and now I'm able to hire her. to to handle, you know, setting up the workshops and things like that. And Becky will help with workshops. Um, And I, I, the rest I contract out. I have a graphic designer. Um, I have a guy that does my web um, and store management helps me with some stuff for social media who helps kind of on retainer monthly. I have a guy that I regularly hire to help me film and edit behind the scenes. So about, I would say, we'll say about 18 months ago. I was completely completely a one-man show
3: mm-hmm. with
4: no help, no interns, no studio manager, no nothing. But what I saw is that I was trying to hold on to my money too closely because I was working so hard, but then I couldn't make more money and I couldn't grow and I couldn't pursue different projects that I wanted to do. So I started contracting people out and it helped me grow exponentially. So. I'm able to do all those things, like you listed. like Jeff um, helps me coordinate uh, creation of apps. I have a couple iPad apps and I work on my book stuff and um, educational videos. So in the end, it's still about the team and knowing that you can't do it all yourself. And uh, I think photographers, were definitely control freaks. I mean, that's what we like photography. We control the frame. We control the people. We control the lighting. We control everything. And sometimes you only grow by letting go.
0: Yes, I love that. Uh, that's a that's a good title for this interview. Grow by letting go. See, and you know one of the things that I'm I'm getting is I'm hearing like even your shoots, you're you're kind of at the center where you're 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 the puppet master and you're like, okay, this is going over there and you're pulling all this stuff together and it extends out now. You've it seems like you've applied that sort of methodology to what you're doing in your business as well. You're at the center kind of calling the shots, but you've got a bunch of really capable people around you helping with the, the bits and pieces and so that you can make a, something greater than the sum of its parts, That's, which is really awesome.
4: Definitely. I, I always have a million ideas, and I always have to figure out which one is the best one. Yes, And then call on everyone else to help me out with them.
0: I love it. So where would you like uh, the audience to go to sort of check out your work and, and these books that we mentioned in the beginning and all things Lindsay Adler?
4: Sure. I mean, in social media, I'm active on Facebook. I mean, if you search Lindsay Adler Photography, you'll find me. And I am on Twitter at Lindsay Adler. But probably the place to see the most updates and what I'm doing regularly would be my blog, um, which is blog.lindsayadlerphotography.com. And there's a link on there to my portfolios. And there's a link on there to the store. It's kind of the hub for everything that I do. And if you need to find me on any social media link, you can find me there.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's uh, and I would definitely recommend to the the listeners and the viewers of this video to go ahead over there and check check out some of that work because it's it's amazing, especially those videos. Your videos are amazing as well, and the blog is uh, you know behind the scenes stuff is really cool. So, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, it's been a great interview, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.